1: That's what it meant. You sent me a thumbs up, and and I go, Heather, you know that's
2: a you. Right before Meredith's birthday party, I get a text from Lisa. It's just kind of a check-in, cover-her-ass text. I'm not even sure why she's sending it. She
1: doesn't even know who I am. Why is she texting me to see if I'm going to be there? She probably won't even recognize me when I show up.
0: Two thumbs up is the FU, and that's a universal text code. I didn't know that. I'm sitting here apologizing for a thumbs up text. Don't diminish
2: the thumbs up text. Ah, You guys, The Real Houses of Salt Lake City, episode two is just as good as episode one, in my opinion. I am loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it. (laughs) Loving these women. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Dani Pellegrino. Today on the podcast, we're going to be recapping that episode of Salt Lake City. Also, after the recap, I have an interview with the one and only Alexia, formerly of The Real Houses of Miami. Now, you know I'm on a mission to get The Real Houses of Miami rebooted. Andy Cohen was on this podcast, and he said he's trying to get it to happen over at the Peacock app. And I got to say, Alexia came on. She reached out to me after that interview with Andy, and I said, come on the podcast. And we did the interview, and she looked stunning. I hope you go watch the interview over at the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one. She was giving me some shade within a first couple of minutes from her former cast members. She was giving me looks. She was giving me everything. And I was thinking, this is what we need from a Housewives franchise. And if there's one thing I've learned from this newfound love of The Real houses of Salt Lake City, it's that I need fresh content, fresh entertainment. And I think Miami would be very exciting to reboot because we haven't been with those ladies, those gals in a while. And so I'm hoping it happens. I'm hoping it happens. I love Miami Housewives. Season two of that franchise is fantastic. Season three, it fell off a little bit, admittedly, but I think they all know how to play the game. Uh, So I hope you'll enjoy my chat with Alexia. It's going to be right after this recap. But before that, we have got to break down the Salt Lake City, you guys. We ended last week on the premiere of this fight between Mary and Jen about the hospital smell. And I don't even know if we really got into the nitty gritty of this fight because Mary had been in the hospital because she was getting her odor glands removed. And she had to be there for 30 days. So she had this trauma based off her hospital experience, getting the odor glands removed. And so she didn't want to smell anyone that smelled like hospital. And so Jen was very offended that she uh, said that her aunt who was getting the legs amputated. <laughs> Doesn't this whole thing sound insane? <laughs> recapping it, you guys, recapping the show, it's uh, I sound crazy. But I, if somebody were to just walk in here, if I had a maintenance man or someone just walk in my apartment, and hear me talking about this woman who got her odor glands removed and then got in a fight with someone because she said the amputee aunt smelled like a hospital. They would think I was crazy. And I'd have to say, no, I'm talking about Bravo. Uh, anyway, so they were finishing up that fight, and Jen storms off at her chalet party. She goes in the bathroom, and she's pissed. She's huffing and puffing, and she said, I can't believe Mary would say that about my aunt. She said, that's like looking at a baby with cancer and saying, you smell like cancer. Are you kidding me? I defend my family. That was a direct quote. That was a direct quote from Jen, who I'm obsessed with now. After she said that, she just said, it's like looking at a baby with cancer and saying, you smell like cancer. And I would argue that that's not the same thing. I would. I'm sorry to take Mary's side on this one because I love Jen. But I would argue that's not the same thing as saying your amputee aunt smells like hospital. I don't think either uh, scenarios is a good scenario, to quite honest with you guys. To be quite honest, I don't think anyone should be walking around telling a cancer kid that they smell like cancer, or an amputee smells like a hospital. I'm just saying, maybe we should have a little more class and Couth than that. But, you know, apparently, we don't on this franchise, but that's okay, because I'm loving these women. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving them. But then Heather goes into the bathroom to meet with Jen, and Jen says that, uh, Mary looks like a tree. Heather said she looks like a loofah. Maybe I'm mixing those two up. One of them said that Mary looked like a loofah. I think Jen did. And Jen was like, she needs to go scrub her ass. And I love it. There's nothing better when the, than when somebody's mad, they're angry, they're huffing and puffing, and they're just saying things, things that don't make any sense at all. They're just saying whatever comes to mind. And that's what was happening here with Jen in this bathroom. And that's a beautiful thing. And when Mary finally showed up, uh Mary said, "Look." Jen and her entire crew smelled like hospital. By the way, she doesn't say the hospital. She just says they smell like hospital. Uh, But Mary said to Jen, look, it wasn't just your aunt or it wasn't just you that smelled like hospital. It was the entire crew. And I had this drama. Uh, And Mary says, I don't like the hospital. She said, I had one son who came out after one push. And then the only other time I went to the hospital, she says, was when she went to get all the odor glands removed. And that was when she was there for 30 days. And I wrote here in my notes, I don't want to exaggerate, but this is the greatest show ever. And look, that's a direct quote from my notes of this program, because here is Mary saying she had a son who came out in one push, one push, ladies and gentlemen, one push. And then she decided not to visit the hospital until she wanted to get the odor glands removed. And what does Mary smell like at this point? Did she get them removed? What happened there? That's a cliffhanger if I ever heard one before. It's like, what happened with Mary's odor glands? Does she smell like roses or does she smell like nothing? Or did she not get them removed? She had to sit there for 30 days. Does that mean there was a problem getting the odor glands removed? What happened? SOS and Mary's odor glands. We need to know what happened there. I didn't get any closure. Did they remove them? Mary, are you out there? Mary, we need to know how you smell. Has anyone sniffed Mary lately? Anyone out there? You could DM me if you've been around her. I don't know if you saw her on the streets or in, I don't know, the ski slopes or something. But if you've smelled Mary, please shoot me a DM. I need to know. I need answers on Mary's smells because I don't know if she even got them removed if she had to sit there for 30 days. Is that how long it takes? I don't know how much procedures take. How long? I mean, how long does it take to get every odor gland removed? Furthermore, how much does it cost? A 30-day hospital stay must be expensive. Do they charge by the odor gland? How many odor glands does the human body have? I don't know. These are all questions they have. Maybe we need to get a doctor on the line. Um, anyway, so Meredith enters the, uh, the bathroom and they're all sort of deciding to make up. Jen and Mary eventually hug and make up, but you can tell they're going to be frenemies this whole season. And I'm into it. We got a lot of frenemies situation going on and I'm really into it. So then we cut to Whitney and Lisa talking. Now, this is a very interesting story. I wasn't expecting this, but apparently Lisa, who owns the liquor company, she gave bartenders and booze to Whitney for the Valor No. So you guys know on the show last week, Whitney had the renewal. you know, with the dad there and the stripper pole. Remember, that was all happening. Anyway, Lisa decided you can have some bartenders and I'll send some free booze. Meanwhile, Lisa wasn't even invited to the renewal. They just got that she donated the alcohol and the bartenders. But apparently, Whitney says they ran out of alcohol at 6 p.m., which is basically right when this whole thing started. And the bartenders got like really drunk and broke a bunch of shit at the Renewal at Whitney's house. So Whitney, of course, goes up to her and says, look, I was just wanted to let you know your employees or whoever this was that you donated to my vow renewal, they weren't so great at working. You know, they drank, didn't send much alcohol, and they got drunk and they stole her liquor, her top shelf stuff. There was some awkward top shelf shade. Did you guys catch that? Where Whitney was like, oh, they drank some of my top shelf alcohol. And Lisa's like, um, my tequila's top shelf. And Whitney's like, oh yeah, okay, you're right. But really, Whitney and the whole audience was thinking, I don't know if that's top shelf. you know. Whitney said in her confessional, she's like, "Uh, I drink Casamigos. Um, That made me laugh. But Lisa said, she said, if I give you a Chanel necklace and you choke on it, that's your problem, not mine. So Lisa's basically saying, look, it's not my fault that you guys ran out of alcohol. Maybe you drank it too quick or something. Um, So Whitney eventually just thanks Lisa. And it seems like She's saying the words, thank you. But what she really means is fuck you. You know, that's what the words that were coming out of Whitney's mouth to Lisa about the alcohol that was donated in the bartenders was thank you. But what she was saying was fuck you. Fuck you, Lisa. Fuck you. And then Lisa hugged her back and said, uh, oh, you're welcome. But what Lisa really meant to Whitney as she was hugging her after Whitney said thank you was really, well, fuck you too, bitch. That's what she was really saying. Like, those weren't the words that were coming out of her mouth, but that's exactly what Lisa was saying to her, right? So then we cut to Whitney at her house, and you guys, Whitney was at her house. Now, I don't know if you remember the Keeping Up with Kardashian's pilot. I don't know how many of you remember watching that. It was years and years ago, but remember they had a stripper pole in the bedroom, and Kendall and Kylie, I think, they were dancing on the pole. Remember, it was like a big controversy in that pilot episode that these young girls were dancing on the stripper pole. Well, here we are in 2020, and we've made a lot of progress. A lot of strides, a lot of progress in representation on television. And in this scene, Whitney was on the stripper pole, and her daughter was in the room just watching her. You know, so I'd say that's progress. And I'm not saying it's good progress, but it's progress. Because Whitney, the mom, that was the daughter, right? Am I mixing it up? I think that was the daughter. It was someone. There was a young gal there at the stripper pole while Whitney was dancing on it. And it was like a workout or something. Um, but that's progress, people. Meanwhile, Heather's planning the ski trip and, uh, Lisa is at home. She's complaining to her husband. She's pissed at Whitney about the bartending thing. And the husband's like, look, I don't really give a shit, but, you know, Lisa's making him listen. So that's, you know, a thing that happened. Then, uh, we see a scene with Heather and Whitney at the ski shop. Now, Heather and Whitney both have problems at this point with Lisa. They're at the ski shop. They're planning the ski day. Heather's mad that Lisa sort of dismissed her and said she doesn't know who she is. Whitney's mad that she sent the liquor and barely sent any and some bartenders that trashed the house. And Whitney says to uh, Heather, who's planning a ski trip, when he says, why did you invite Lisa to skiing if you're having this problem with her? And Heather says, we have a history and we're in the same group. And I thought, wow, this is only the second episode ever of this franchise. And these two are already acting like pros. This is pro behavior. This is professional housewife behavior to just say, well, we're in the same group and we have a history. Because in real life, if you didn't like someone, you just wouldn't invite them on a ski trip. But these women know they're on a TV show. So I applaud them. I applaud them. Now, here's where it's revealed that Lisa also accused Whitney, Whitney, who was just on the stripper pole in the last scene with the daughter. Lisa accused her of being a swinger. A swinger! Oh, you guys, when I heard that. I heard that. I know I shouldn't take pleasure out of hearing someone else accuse another couple who's saying they're not swingers to be swingers. You know, I shouldn't take pleasure in that, but I got goosebumps. I loved it. I thought, oh my gosh, now we're having swingers. And then we're learning that there's a huge swinger community in Utah, which I had no idea about. And Whitney says they have polygamy in the family. She says something about a soup can. I don't know. I was like giddy with excitement. Whitney was telling a story about soup cans up against the house or something like that. And polygamy and sleeping around with a hundred partners, and I thought, oh my god, this is so good. This is so good. And Whitney gives us a little backstory. And I'm very fascinated by this, Whitney. I find her stunning looking. And we'll get to the scene in a minute, but she made me cry. I was like crying like a baby, genuinely, like genuinely crying about the scene with her dad later, but we'll get there. Anyway, Whitney gives a little backstory about her history at the church. Now she said on social media, I believe, within the week after the premiere that she didn't get kicked out of the church. She decided to leave the church. And she says in this episode, Whitney says, she she was younger in high school, and that's when she started to kind of dip her toe out of the Mormon religion. She says, I had a choice between a church history tour and a girl's senior trip to Maui. And she decided to go on the church history tour, which I have a lot of questions, you guys, a lot of questions. Let's just stop for a second. What's a church history tour? what the fuck is that? I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic grade school, but I've never heard of a church history tour. Whitney was saying as if like every travel agent in the world has booked a million of those. I was like, what the fuck is that, a church history tour? I've been to a church in my day, but what, do you just go around the country and travel churches? What is that? Did I just miss that? Maybe it's something I'm just not aware of. A blind spot, if you will. Maybe other people have done that. Maybe it's It must be a Mormon thing, obviously. It's something I missed. But that doesn't sound like fun especially compared to Maui. Maui! My favorite place on the earth, Maui. Maui, if you've never been, it's stunning. Ah, I love Maui. Matt and I try to go every year if we can, and it's the most beautiful place on this entire earth. And so to choose a church history tour over that, you know, it's a tough call, Whitney. I felt for her in that moment, but she said when she got back from the church history tour. By the way, who's the tour guide on a church history tour? What is it, just the Pope or something? I imagine like Kathy and Jimmy and Sister Act uh, uh, just travel, <laughs> teaching people about the church. You know, one of the nuns from Sister Act is walking you through the church and saying, "This is this. Here's communion. Bye." Like, what else? <laughs> what else? <laughs> Here's some stained glass. Good luck to you on your day. God bless. You know, like what happens? How much? How much can you really say about a church chapel? I don't know. I hope I'm not offending anyone. Again, it was raised Catholic. Went to a Catholic grade school. Was at the church a lot. My grandma sang in the church. She was a uh, My grandparents on my dad's side, they were both big church goers. But, uh, so I understand. But Whitney got back from the trip of the church history tour. And when she got back, she fucked around with her boyfriend. And she had beer. She had beer and she said she didn't feel bad about it. She enjoyed it. Who among us in high school? I wish I could have had some beer and uh, screwed around with a guy. Unfortunately, that wasn't in the cards for me back in Ohio. There wasn't any out gay people, including myself. So I was pretending to want to make out with a girl, but none, nothing was really happening, to be quite honest. I was in the corner watching the Lizzie McGuire movie while everyone else was hooking up with each other. Uh, but that's a tale for another time. The point is, she had, a, she had a beer, and she didn't feel bad about it. That was her aha moment. Her aha moment. So, look, Whitney and Heather, they think Lisa thinks she's better than them. So they know that Lisa thinks that. And I don't like, I'm, it's starting to come across that way. I'm, I'm turning on this Lisa. And I don't want to turn on Lisa, but I am because I don't like the way she's doing it. I'm turning on Meredith a little bit, too, who I fell in love with because of her son Brooks last week. Who, by the way, next week. Do you guys see in the preview for next week? Brooks gets in on the action. He's becoming a housewife. Give him a snowflake. I feel like, you know, in the opening credits, how they hold the snowflake. I'm like, Brooks could be a main housewife. He looks like he gets in the mix. Anyway, then we have this scene. This episode is very Whitney-focused. We have the scene at Whitney's house. She talks, she's got a son named Brooks, first of all. So there's another Brooks in this universe. And Brooks, her son, Whitney's son, Brooks, loves an extra cheesy grilled cheese. And so I already love him. Um, But Steve, Whitney's father, shows up in a camo fleece and a very aggressive haircut. And I love him, you guys. I love him. He's had a prescription pill addiction, which Whitney lets us in on. But this whole scene was so moving to me. First of all, I was moved that the dad, Steve, was willing to talk about this on camera and willing to let Whitney talk about this because I do think it's a problem in so many homes across America and beyond. And what a, what a redemption story. Uh, He's, she said at one point, like, if I didn't stick with my dad, he might not be with us. And it broke me. He's been addicted to painkillers for 10 years. He was a self made man, a hair school owner a beauty school, I was going to say a beauty school dropout, but I don't think Steve was a dropout. I think he was a beauty school graduate, if you will. Um, And uh, he he got addicted. And Whitney found out six years ago, it's a real thing. She stood by the dad's side. I was crying. She loves him. She said to him when she said, you look so good. And she said he had light in his eyes. And when she was talking about sticking by him, and he might not be there if she didn't stick by him. You guys, I'm not even kidding. I cried like a baby. I thought it was a beautiful moment. Because oftentimes, I think we've all, we have all kind of think, well, if somebody in our lives was in that position, would we be able to stick through it with them? And the fact that Whitney had the patience and the love and the understanding to stick with Steve through it all was a beautiful moment. Because oftentimes, you don't get to the happy ending. And maybe this isn't his happy ending. Maybe he's still on this journey. But uh, I really loved it. By the way, did you guys see Whitney's dog? It was a mini horse. I should say just mini horse or a pony, because that's what it was. It was a giant, big-ass dog. And if it, quite frankly, weren't for Steve's haircut, all I would have been focused on was that big-ass horse that was in Whitney's house that she called the dog, because it was big. It was like fucking Scooby-Doo. I thought it was going to like put on a baseball cap and walk to the mailbox or something. I was like, what is going on with this big-ass dog? It was so big. <laughs> I don't know why I'm picturing it now in, like, a baseball cap walking in the mailbox. I'm not sure. <laughs> Whitney's like, get the mail, Rover, or whatever the fuck the dog's name is. And then the dog's just like, okay, grabs the keys and, like, walks the mailbox. Ah, uh, you guys, I feel giddy talking about this show. Can you tell? I can tell. I'm giddy. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it. And <laughs> um, Then we have a scene with Meredith and her husband, Seth. Apparently, they've been separated. Seth asks if her friends know that they're separated. and They say that not one thing uh, triggered the separation. Um, But there is weird tension between the two of them. He wanted to see her phone, and then she wouldn't give him the phone. He said he's not dating anyone. I could definitely tell that Meredith hated him. I mean, I think that was clear, that these two hated each other. Wait, was this Meredith or Lisa? I get them mixed up, you guys. This was Meredith, I think. That's a problem for me you guys, I need to get some flashcards or something. Do we got flashcards we can make for these people? As we get to know them, it's no offense to any of them. It's just they're new in our lives. I think I need flashcards, like a note card or something. I don't know. We'll figure that out. So then we cut to the ski day. Now, Mary is running late because she was waiting for a FedEx package. So all the women were at the ski place, the ski slopes, and Mary arrives huffing and puffing. She's walking up the stairs and she's like... Out of shape. I'm out of shape. And Mary is so out of shape. She says she can't do it. She was walking up those stairs, and I swear it was like, (laughs) I was feeling bad for Mary. I'm like, somebody needs to get her a glass of water. Production's just filming her. I'm thinking, get her some water. Mary can't even breathe. And then her confessionals. I'm very excited to see like Mary's personal scenes so far. I feel like they've been hiding Mary a little bit. Like, she's obviously the breakout star of this whole show because she's, you know, a lot. But I'm very excited to see, like, what's her personal life like? Like, what's the deal with the grandpa? Like, how what's what are they like at home? Like, are they doing Sudoku like I used to do with my grandpa? Or, you know, are they a little bit spicier since they're married? I don't know. We'll have to see. But I'm very excited. So, so far, we're only getting married in these group scenes. And her confessionals, which her confessionals are insane. They remind me a little bit about Bethany. Because here's Mary arriving at the ski slope. And she's talking about how she was waiting for the FedEx to get her coat or something, or her ski pants. And she was talking about the ski pants in the confessional. And she's like, you cannot wear anything that gives you a wedgie. It just goes up there, rides all the way up. And I don't want to have to dig up there, wedgie ski pants. No, no, it goes all the way up there. I need a pair that doesn't ride up a wedgie. Gives you a wedgie. No, 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 no. And she just sort of does this, like, kind of Bethany-ish rambling. That's not a good impression of it, but it's very, like... She's rambling and complaining. It's almost like a mix between Bethany and Shannon Bador, it reminds me. I'm going to get a good impression by the end of this season, because I feel it in my bones. Like, there's something there with Mary. No, no, no. I can't have that. I can't have ski pants that ride up the ass. It gives you a wedgie. No, no, no. I can't. you get all the way up there, you know? And then you yell, Ayuga, Ayuga, and it'll be riding up your ass like a wedgie. You can't have ski pants like that, so I had to wait for the That's like a talking fast with, I don't know. I don't know what it is exactly. I don't know. Jen, meanwhile, though, she looked amazing. She said that people are going to think she's on the Black Diamond Hill because she looks like a black diamond or something, she said. I don't know. I'm loving Jen. Oh, I'm lo- Jen sort of reminds me a little bit of Renee Graziano. I think I'm saying that name right from Mob Wives. Which Mob Wives, you know, that show was great. I mean, all-star shows, fantastic. If you've never watched it and you want something good to binge, watch Mob Wives. But she, she's got something in her look or her cadence or something reminds me of Renee. And by the way, that's the highest of compliments because I love Mo boys, so anyway, they start skiing. It's fun seeing that i love I used to love to ski when I was in Ohio. I did have a horrific ski accident when I was in the sixth grade um that I'll never forget I rolled down the hill and bruised my stomach and knocked unconscious. but aside from that, I love skiing. I used to ski at this place called Brandywine in Ohio. My brother worked there too uh Boston Mills Brandywine anyway, I love skiing um. Jen, it's revealed, took ski lessons in her house, but they weren't really ski lessons. She got on the roller plates and made her assistants just watch her. Ah, uh, you guys, was that not great? It was fantastic. Fantastic. So then uh, we have this little Lisa and Whitney are frenemies things, uh, thing happening. Whitney's asking the other women like Meredith for advice. And Whitney says that she's messy around the edges. She says Lisa thinks she's perfect, but Whitney's not like that. And I'm loving this Whitney. Loving her. So then the women, they get off the slopes and they go to the dinner table and the transition music music on this show, I think we mentioned it last week, but it's just like angels. It's like, uh, uh-huh. I can't sing. <laughs> what the fuck was that note that I just gave you guys? I apologize. I, as always, I encourage you all to escort the dogs out of the room before you listen to this podcast because I'm bound to sing at some point um, and we don't want the dogs barking. Anyway, uh, the <laughs> the transition music, it's like these angels sighing or something. They all get ready for dinner. Whitney puts on some kinky boots. You know, they look like the boots right out of Kinky Boots, the Broadway play. And then Dre, Heather's business partner's there. Also some woman named Connie, who's Whitney's friend. And they sit down at the dinner table and Whitney shares about her dad. She says, we're going to Mary's church with my dad. And then there's this whole conversation about judging others with the Mormon religion and culture. Whitney tells Lisa that she feels judged. Um, and Meredith says, I didn't realize when I told Whitney to tell Lisa how she felt that it would be at the dinner table. Because earlier on the slopes, Meredith said, hey, look, Whitney, you should bring it up at dinner about how you feel with Lisa. And so then here is Meredith at the dinner table saying, I can't believe she brought it up here at the dinner table. And that was classic housewives. Classic housewives. And Whitney says in her confessional, she doesn't want to say that Lisa called her a swinger because she wants to stay away from the word swinger because it's really about Lisa being judgmental. But I want more swinger conversation. I want to know, are any of these women swingers? If Whitney's not, who is? Somebody must be. Can we get a swinger on the show maybe next season if we're adding someone to the cast? I don't know. Um, So then, let's see. Oh, Mary is just giving reaction shots the whole time. I mean, you might as well put her on a Disney Channel original sitcom, because Mary is just giving over-the-top facial reactions to this entire scene. Over in the corner, it was like Mary was fucking Miley Cyrus and Hannah Montana, just doing some like very big facial expressions the whole time they're chatting. And that was interesting to me. Uh, Heather then confronts Lisa about the story of her flashing her her bubbies in the dorm. And I gotta say, I lived in a dorm my first two years of college and I remember this one gal who would literally always just flash her bubbies. I mean, it was like her thing. I don't know. You know how like everyone's got a thing? You know, like my thing, my freshman in sophomore year of high school or of college was That I had my cell phone on my belt. I had one of those cell phone belt clips. Truly embarrassing. I look back at photos and I think, what the fuck was I thinking? I had the same one as my dad. The only thing I ever regret in life is having that cell phone belt clip. It like attached and looked ridiculous. Anyway, everyone's got their thing. And I remember this one girl, her thing was just like, she thought it was funny at every time. Like, even when we'd be like watching TV or something, she'd be like, let me just take out my bubbies. And at a certain point, we're like, okay, we don't need to see that, you know? Um, but anyway, that's not the point. The point is, Heather's mad about the story. And they sort of make up, uh, they, ha- they get into it about the texts, first of all. Apparently, Heather and Lisa were texting. Heather responded with a one thumbs up. And Heather says that if it was two thumbs up, it would have been a fuck you. Everyone knows that. And then Lisa's like, don't di- diminish the fact that you sent me a thumbs up and that was a fuck you. And Heather even admitted in the confessional, she said, yeah, that thumbs up was a fuck you. And I thought, oh my God, these women, these women, you guys. Flawless. Did they go to school for this or something? I'm watching this whole franchise and I'm thinking, did they go to like housewives school? Like was that the college that Heather was walking around showing her bubbies at? Because these women are all great housewives. How did they know how to do this? It doesn't always happen this way that everyone's just so good at being a housewife. So bravo. If I, if there's a school, I don't know, enroll me. I don't know, enroll me. Can I teach there? What can I do to help? Because if this is what we get from people going to housewives school then uh, I'm ready to, I don't know, donate some money to the board or something. Because it's a it's a great thing. Anyway, they all agree to have a clean slate. And next week on the show, we see Whitney at church with Mary. We see a little Brooks getting in the action versus Jen, You guys, that's going to be juicy. There's a pregnancy party. Plus, Jen and Meredith get into it, I think, um, at a 1920s party. They're already giving us a 1920s party. I saw some flappers in the previews for next week some flappers. I saw a newsboy cap and some flappers. And that is a good sign for a Housewives franchise because it's truly not a real Housewives franchise until we see some people dressed in fucking 1920s gear. And they're giving us that in the third episode. Third episode. Now, you guys, I gotta say, I don't think I'm going to be recapping the third episode next week because it's Thanksgiving week. I will have an episode early in the week recapping Bachelorette and Potomac, but I don't think we're going to be doing Salt Lake City because of the holiday. I will I will try to release episodes next week, so um, check back in. There might be an interview or something because of the holiday, but I just want to let you guys know the schedule might be a little different for Thanksgiving. I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And I want to leave you guys with this chat with Alexia from The Real House of Miami. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I will leave you with this. If you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash everything iconic. You can click become a patron. And if you donate $4 more per month, you get access to the bonus episodes. Do one a month. Also, if you want to support, you can get some of our merch. We have stuff at everythingiconic.store. Great gifts. uh We have lots of cool stuff coming for the holidays. So check that out, everythingiconic.store. Uh, and I will leave you with Alexia. Please let's reboot. Reboot the Real Houses Miami. Let's get a hashtag, hashtag justice for R H O M. Justice, the number four R H O M. Let's get it rebooted. Let's, I don't know, talk to Peacock, whoever got to talk to. Let's get it to happen. <music> I love you all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, the weather's getting warmer personal favorite. I always love getting new polos for the summertime, and they have a fantastic selection. I'm very particular about the collar, and I love the collar on the performance polos that I got. They also have versatile flow knit activewear, and the best part, 365 day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic. To get free shipping and 365 day returns, quince dot com slash iconic. that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. Hi, Alexia. How are you?
1: Oh, good. Thank you. How are you?
2: It's so nice to meet you. You look beautiful, first of all. Oh,
1: thank you. Just for you. Thank you.
2: (laughs) Oh, thank you. I look like a
1: housewife, right? With my boobs out and my hair and makeup.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You look amazing. You look amazing. Oh, thank
1: you. Thank Um, you.
2: And speaking of, how about we just jump right in? First of all, how are you doing? Are you still in Miami? Where are you at right now?
1: I am. I've been in Miami all this time. And um, I live in Sunny Isles now, which is a little bit more north. and, um, And I'm here in my house today. Oh, great. In an apartment. I actually live in an apartment building.
2: So, Alexia, there's been all of these rumors. And Andy Cohen was on my show last week, and he had said that Uh, They had been trying to get a Miami reboot going for Peacock. Have you heard any of this happening sort of behind the scenes?
1: Uh, Well, not really. We've always been super hopeful because I I feel like we deserve another season and we're so excited if we would have another season. So um, I was very happy that you asked the million dollar question that everyone's been asking for the last seven years, when are you ladies coming back? And if there's a possibility of the show coming back. So I was really um, happy that for I think it's been the only time where Andy has actually opened up and talked about Miami and talked about a possible season four. So, yes, we're all super excited.
2: And do you feel from the fans of the show how much we want another season? Like, are you, do you, are you able to get a sense of that, whether it be on social media or, or in your sort of everyday life?
1: Yes, absolutely. Like I said, the last time we were on TV was 2013. So it's been seven years. So you would think that after seven years, we kind of would be relative or like that nobody would really, um, would care at this point. But no, for the last seven years, we've gotten that. Like I still get like, can I take a picture with you? Fans coming up to me and saying, you know, we loved watching you. Your story was so inspiring. How's Peter? How's Frankie? What are you doing? It's like, I feel like the fans always stayed with, with that, you know, that they want to see us and they want to know more about us. They want to know what we've been up to for the last seven years.
2: Right. One of the things I loved about Miami was it offered a different flavor than we get with some of the other franchises. I think um, it was a refreshing change of pace from uh, something like Beverly Hills or New Jersey. Like it's its own its own unique world. And I feel like uh, I, I myself and I know a lot of other fans are like craving it um, to come back. Yeah. Well, so. I
1: mean, I think Miami is such a great city. It's such a popular city. It's so international. It's like, everybody wants to know about Miami. We have such beautiful weather. We have the most gorgeous people and people from all over the place. So, um, I definitely thought we added a lot of flavor, like you said, and, um, sabor, like we call it and, um, and even diversity. I mean, I know I right. diversity in the different branches today is like a big deal, but if you really think about Miami, season one, I think Miami was really the first franchise where you saw that there was three Cuban Americans on the show, Christy, myself and Marisol. Then we had Larsa, which was Lebanese American and Leah, which is American. So I think that's the first time where you really started seeing that in a franchise. And I was so excited about that. And, um, you know, even like our accents, even like me, like, I feel like I have kind of like the Miami accent. So that was a little different. And then in season two, we continued with the diversity we had Karen, which was Colombian, and she had her supposedly Mexican boyfriend. <laughs> supposedly, and, um, you said. Yeah, like her fake boyfriend, but yeah. So, <laughs> but he counted, right? He was Mexican. And then we had Joanna, which was Polish, um, you know, Polish-American. And then we have Adriana. Sorry, Adriana, I forgot you. So we had Adriana, the Brazilian, in season one and two and three. So I feel like Miami was really the first franchise that, where you started seeing the diversity and um, like the representation of Miami because Miami really is like a melting pot. There's all nationalities. And I feel if we would have a season four, we would even can mix it up a little bit more and bring in other nationalities
2: right i also think it would be andy had mentioned it for peacock which is the new streaming service and i think it'd be perfect and my sort of dream of dreams is that like you guys film a whole season and then they release it all at once on peacock so fans we can binge it like all in one season because that's never happened on a housewives before
1: oh really well me we would be then the first ones to do right. the comeback and to actually have that
2: Oh so, yeah, that and, would be
1: super excited.
2: And to put out all the episodes at one time for a whole season, so we can binge it, just like you know, we watch shows on Netflix and stuff like that. I think would be so fun. So you you would come back if they asked. Then I, w- I, was, I was oh a
1: hundred percent. Yeah, I think that I definitely would come back because I always stayed with like you know I always wanted to come back to show the fans you know and to show America and everybody else that's watching that, you know, that there is hope, you know, my story from season two, you know, has changed so much. So I feel like I would like them to see, you know, Frankie today and Peter today and where I'm at today. And, you know, like I said, when I was doing season two, unfortunately, you know, my life changed with a horrific accident that my son was involved in. But then, you know, it's been seven years. So I would like, you know, everyone that's going through something like that to see that there is hope you know, the progress that he's made, all the challenges. That's what I really missed about doing the show is, you know, the fact that, you know, the viewers lost so much, you know, they just, you know, saw me, you know, going through everything that I went through in my life. And by the way, there's a lot more that to that. The problem is because obviously it's been seven years and, you know, 2013 was the last time we were on TV. So since then, many things have happened and I've always kind of like kept it to myself. I'm not so big on social media. You know, I share certain things. But it was kind of always like with the hope and illusion that we would have another season and that I would get to share that, you know, on TV, on the camera.
2: So you mentioned uh, your son, he was in a horrible accident happened. Did it happen, I think, before second season or, or around that time? Um, it
1: happened around that time. It happened in August of 2011. So we had done our first season. I like could go back to touch upon first season. So first season, you know, we cast for the show and it's, five of us who are kind of like thrown in there with like no past history. So we kind of like knew each other, like I knew Marisol, you know, socially. I knew Lee, I knew Christy. We kind of all kind of knew of each other and didn't know Adriana, but um, we were kind of like just all thrown in there and not really knowing like what to do or like, you know, what this should have been. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, there were other housewife shows, but we were all kind of scared. You know, we were, we were new at this. We didn't know each other. And we were, I mean, I could speak for myself. I was married to a man that didn't want me to be part of the show. And, um, you know, he was very against me being on the show. So I was kind of like muzzled, you know, so I couldn't be myself. Like, if you really know me, I'm like a super upbeat, open, fun, happy person. And um, I was kind of like scared. Like every time before I would film, I would get into a fight with him. He would tell me, oh, you're not wearing that. You can't say this. You can't say that. So I kind of respected that. And I've always cared very much about my personal and family life. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to just like sit here and like really not participate so much like with the other ladies. And I feel a lot of us felt that same way of season one. If you see the show season one, Leah was married or is still married to a very powerful, you know, attorney. So she's like, she didn't want to make Roy look bad, you know, like your crazy wife on TV. So it was kind of like, we were all kind of like not pretending because, you know, we have, I think everybody has two or three sides to themselves, but we were kind of just like doing our thing and not really delivering like who we really were, you know? So that was like season one. And then season two, you brought in all these girls, of course, when there's a lot of women, there's a lot of drama. And that's exactly what you saw. And season
2: two was so good too, by the way.
1: It was yeah. great. Yeah. It was great. And then again, you know, there, obviously all these women that, that cast for these shows and are part of these shows want to be on TV and they're willing to put it out there and they want their moment and the whole thing. My situation changed. I feel like I've always had like, the backstory, you know, and the personal story, even with or without camera, I always have something going on in my life. And I like this life, you can come any month of the year, I promise you, whether we're filming or not, and I have like a true story. But, um, but then again, you never really saw me like kind of relating with the other women, because at that point in my life, I couldn't. Like in season two, like I didn't have no time to meet with the girls and talk stupidity and fight over stupid issues when I was going through a trauma in my life. So that's why you didn't see that with me. You saw that drama with the rest of the ladies because I didn't really participate. As a matter of fact, I decided to step down. I think I was the first housewife in all the franchises that stepped down because of my circumstances and and was allowed to uh, come back for season three full time.
2: And I was going to say at that time in season two, I think a lot of fans of the show, we were curious uh, about what was happening with you. And I think we were all, relating to your story in some way. And, and it was, it was fun and I shouldn't say fun. That's the wrong term, but it was, it was very compelling to watch your journey then in season three um, with your son. And, and I think we, uh, I think we're all curious what's going on with your son, with both of your sons, how are they doing now?
1: Right. So Frankie, I mean, both of my sons are a work in progress. They're still a work in progress. And um, so Frankie lives with me and um, he graduated from high school with a special diploma. And um, I have a beauty bar now, which is like a, a nail bar and um, and eyelashes and all that fun stuff that all the ladies like. And he, the name is Alexian Frankie. Frankie's. I named it after him cause he loves the girls and um, he, he works with me there. So he greets the customers, you know, he does like different things with me. Um, you know, he did have some kind you know, permanent damage as far as his memory goes. So um, he still has challenges with his communication, but you know, he's alive, he's super happy. You know, he's always been throughout this journey. He's always been, you know, very upbeat, very grateful. You know, I think when you go through something like this as an individual, you look at life differently. And even though he can't express it, he lives it. He wakes up happy. He's always, you know, thanking God for everything. And um, so I'm very, very fortunate to have him. He's like my angel. Like I just look at him and it's like, it's really no re- It's every reason to be happy.
2: And there's so many moms that have gone through similar situation, not exact, exactly the same, but mothers who particularly now in the pandemic who are, are struggling with um, health issues with their children and, and, and vice versa, children with their parents. And what would you say, what advice could you give people who are going through a hard time, Uh, who feel like maybe there isn't a light at the end of the tunnel. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does make sense. And you know what? You just have to have faith. You know, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. As you're going through it, I think the only thing that helped me was having faith and being religious. And just, you know, praying and not giving up and love. Honestly, I really believe even the doctors, would tell me when I brought him back to meet his doctors who were so helpful and who saved his life, they would actually tell him, I didn't save your life. Your mom saved your life. The love that you gave him, that, that's what he fought for. He fought for that. So I could just tell those moms not to give up, to keep on loving. Like, love to me is, if you know me, I think it's everything. You know, I love really fixes everything. It, it's just, it's like a motor in me that keeps me going the love. So I feel like, you know, the moms should, should never give up. I know it's very difficult, especially what we've been going through this year, even for me, psychologically, it's like, it's, it's a downer, like, you know, cause it, it's not only what you're going through, you know, it's the entire world. Cause like, for example, when I was going through my journey with Frankie, I felt like I was the only one that was going through it. My world stopped, but the world continued. So even now it made me think of that. Now that you mentioned this throughout this time, I was like, can you imagine that this was me? Like I was in a hospital for two months where my world stopped, didn't watch TV, didn't pick up a magazine, didn't go outside um, the hospital. And I was just in my worlds with my son trying to recover him. And so now I feel like for me, this has been very tough but it hasn't been as tough. I mean, there's people that go through this every day. I mean, it's terrible that we're going through this, but all these people dying, you know, from COVID, but there's also families struggling with their children that were involved in an accident or did have a terminal disease or did have something terrible. The only difference is that now we're doing it, you know, as together, all together. And, and, you know, the world is all united and, you know, everybody's in this together, but if you really think about it there are families that are going through this moment every single day of their lives right
2: alexia i want to switch gears a little bit and ask you are you in touch with the other women and the other cast members where are you at with the other ladies
1: yeah so i'm um, super good friends with marisol marisol and i are very close we were always friendly but um now we're like sisters we're very very close um lisa i love i'm very good friends with lisa Lisa always knew that she and I would be like, we would have like this loving, genuine relationship. You see, that's the beauty of these shows. Um, I always say that's another great thing that came out of it. Cause I'm, um, you know, got me very close with Marisol, with Lisa. So, I mean, I feel like when I was going, when I was on the show with these ladies, since I was going through what I was going through, you know, my, my life, my story, I didn't have the opportunity to really film with them and relate to them and all that. So I feel now that Lisa's a mom you know, when I was going through that, Lisa didn't have kids, Marisol didn't have kids. Leah had one son that was supposedly perfect. And Adriana had a younger son too, that was perfect. So I was like the only woman I couldn't really talk to none of the girls on the show about what I was going through because they weren't going through it themselves. They weren't moms. Joanna wasn't a mom. So it was like, I feel that now that Lisa is a mom, you know, Joanna is a mom and you know, there are other moms have children that have grown up and I'm sure have gone through issues right. and through cert- situations in their lives they won't be so judgmental, you know, mm. and, and like I said, I think the hardest part about doing a show like this is when the family is scrutinized or attacked, you know, mm. specifically the children, you know, I'm a grown ass woman, and you can tell me whatever you want. And you know what, I'm good. Right. I'm not gonna go cry about it. I'm not gonna need mental health, anything like that. But you know, children is a different thing. So that's kind of like the scary part about doing these shows. Sometimes that you know you you don't know, and you're really exposing your children to this, and um, and to me that was like the most difficult part. But I think that now because Lisa's become a mom, and I think you know John's son is older and Leah's, you know, I think that more now they're probably thinking of like Alexia. Okay, like. Okay. Now I kind of get like what Alexia went through. Mm -hmm.
2: Right. Right. And uh, relationship wise, where are you at? You mentioned your uh, ex-husband, Herman, are you with someone, you're with someone new, I I believe now, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. So I'm engaged.
2: Congratulations. It's going to be a
1: year. It's going to be a year. December 14th, we got engaged in New York in 2019. Thank God. And we were planning a wedding. Um, for this year, you know, right before the the whole show, the whole shutdown and the COVID and everything. So we put everything on hold. Um, we know we want to get married, you know, at least civilly very, very soon. But, um, I also know that Bravo loves a, a wedding. I know I was just going say, gonna let's say, get yeah, it on. Like Bravo loves a wedding, right? But you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to say if I'm married, I'm going to make sure everybody knows I'm married, but I didn't have the celebration. So we'll just call it a celebration. Right. Um, because I know that was a big deal in season three when Adriana got married because she lied that she was already married and like the whole thing happened. Don't worry. I'm very like honest and to the point.
2: So Adriana, just to know. clear that up. So she was already married.
1: Yeah. And she that- was already like married civilly, but for whatever reason, she, she lied about it to Leah and to the others. You know, I didn't really give a shit because whether you're married or not, it's like, it doesn't matter. But she, You know, Leah took it very hard and, um, and she couldn't get over it. You know, and that's what happens in these shows. You have to know how to be able to move on, you know, and why is that so important? You have to like own it and say, okay, yeah, I did it. I lied. I didn't lie. I felt like it, whatever. And then just move on. But I felt like our cat, like our ladies, like we, we couldn't get over certain things.
2: Yeah. Is there any other misconceptions from the three seasons or things that you would like to kind of let viewers know maybe something that was a lie or something you want to clear up or anything um, from those You know, I
1: mean, I just like said that because like I said, I know Bravo loves a wedding, but I'm not going to wait, you know, till right. there's a season right. forward to get married. So, but because of the circumstances, I mean, it looks like I won't be able to have the kind of wedding I would have loved to have, which is like, Get married by the church. I've never been married by the church. I've been married two times, but I've never been by the church. And um, I feel that that would be important to me. And um, so that's going to be on hold for a while now. But I will probably get married civilly, you know, soon in the next couple of months. And, you know, I will share that. And I don't think that, that that's a big deal. So I never really understood again why that happened. And that became such a big deal in season three. Because like I said, I didn't have time for that nonsense. Like, I think, you know, I thought it was like so stupid and it's not like I was taking one side or the other. I just thought that it was like immature and stupid and not so much worth to talk about. Uh, you know, it's, it's part of the show and it's part of like what you guys like to see. So right. fighting.
2: Right, right. Uh, I have some questions that people wrote in. I thought I'd, um, I, I thought I'd give you, just give me one second. Sure. Uh, Lisa Hutchinson. She wrote into the Everything Iconic Patreon, and she wanted to know what happened to your ex-husband. Um, was there? Did he pass? Forgive me. Which one, yes. Her, her yes, man.
1: He who did. We saw. So, her man. Okay, yes, I You so saw the show. Yeah, of course. He unfortunately he passed away. He had a massive heart attack, September twenty sixth of two thousand sixteen. Okay. And at that point, we were physically separated.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and what is your current fiance? Is it, what is, what does he do? Or how did you guys meet?
1: He's a, Oh, Oh, we have a great story. We met at sea oh. spikes, one of my favorite restaurants in Miami. Oh. We kind of met there in 2015 the, uh, while I was no 2016 while I was separated. Uh, we just kind of like talked and we never really um, like flirted or dated or anything like that. But fast forward a couple of months later, I started running into him in different places here in Miami And then he finally asked me out and, um, and we started dating and then six months after um, Herman passed, we like officially started dating. And, and since then we've been together, he's a real estate developer. He's a, he's in real estate and um, property management. That's what he does.
2: Oh, great. Uh, Lisa Romeo um, said, did Bravo give you any reason why the show was canceled? Um, did they give any sort of insight or they never officially canceled it? Right. Wasn't it just never, right, no,
1: up? you know, it's really strange how this whole thing works. And that's like what a lot of the, the viewers, I guess, don't know, or even ourselves, because we obviously find out when they're bringing us back because we get the phone call and you kind of have to like, you know, prepare for that. But, um, the truth is they never said you're not coming back or it's officially canceled. It's kind of like always been like open-ended and in the air and, you know, sometimes I think about it and I talk about it like with Lisa and Marisol and we're, and I'm like, you know, what we kind of like never really did anything about it. Like if it was our job, what did you think that we would kind of like call the network or call Andy or I don't know, do something about it? You know what I mean? Like, hey, you know, is everything OK? Like, why aren't you bringing us back? You know, what can we do? Like we we kind of like, you know, you know. Stood back and right. kind of like make it happen. And guess what? It's been like the first year was like, okay, the second year or third year. But after we're like, hey, what's up? Like, we really want to like do this again. But we, like I said, we never really did anything about it. But then they start playing marathons, like how they have like during this year, during the, the pandemic. And uh, we were so excited. And we're like, we, we had all this positive feedback. And, you know, everybody just kind of like going crazy that they want to the show back. So we're like, my God, we would really love to do this. So now we're very excited that Andy has some kind of interest, at least it's digital, but it's, it's, you know, it's something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that was when my sort of antennas went up in a weird way was early on in the pandemic when they did the marathon. I, it felt like um, there was a reason why they were doing marathons of like certain shows that, had gone, and I, I I understood it to be like kind of gauging interests in whether or not people would watch this again, and and I right. saw so many people, especially that day, there was one specific day where there was a full Miami Marathon on, and I saw so yes. many people oh tweeting my God. about it. We oh
1: um, I know we were so excited. We were actually, you know, had never watched the show in all these years till then because, and it was so weird to watch, you know, to hear myself and to see all those moments, and you know, obviously you need to see Herman that was alive and, and my sons and, you know, and it it was just like, you know, it was like bittersweet. It was, and, you know, I remember Marisol, Lisa and I being on the phone and, you know, and watching the show together from our homes, but all like participating. And, and like I said, you know, I, we thought the same thing. We're like, you know, there's people want to see us back and it would be great to come back and for the viewers to see, you know, where we're at today. I mean, I think America like loves a comeback. You know, you always want to see, like where are they today, but actually like in, in a real season, you know, and, where we can really show.
2: And you all have such a history now at this point, you mentioned when you started, you weren't super close with the women, but now you're, it's been years and years and years that you've been able to develop friendships. So I feel like it'd exactly. be even more explosive, more exciting. Um, how's Marisol doing? I mean, mama Elsa was such a huge part of the show and we all loved her. How has she, yeah. how has she been since, um, since her passing?
1: Well, I was really difficult for Marisol because she also lost her dad right before her mom, which was kind of unexpected. So I think both things happening, you know, and at the same time, pretty much were very, very difficult for her. And, um, you know, like I said, Elsa was such a big part, not only of the show, but of Marisol's life, even of my life. I had gone very close with with Elsa um, around the time before she passed away. So it really, you know, hit us and hurt us. But when she had the accident already and when, you know, whether it was that she had a stroke or she fell, but when she got sick in season three, it was kind of like we lost her. You know what I mean? It wasn't really the same Elsa. And even though she was alive for all those years, um, it really wasn't Elsa. So, you know, Marisol lost her a long time ago, but you're never ready, you know, to lose your parents. So it's been very difficult for her.
2: I remember. I think it was around season two. There was a there was a little web series with Mama Elsa, and she was selling her coffee. And I, I ordered the coffee. It was great, and I, I just loved, always loved following her story. Oh my god! Story. Yes,
1: yeah, no, she was great. What she was so unique and so so funny, and just so full of like of life and funny things that she had to share. Right. Yeah, she's very missed.
2: Do you watch any of the other franchises? Are you do you watch any Bravo shows or?
1: I kind of do when my fiance isn't home because yeah. he doesn't. Like <laughs> Yeah, I don't want him to know too much about the show. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, you know, I like Beverly Hills a lot, and I like Atlanta. But um, last night I was watching Salt Lake City.
2: It's so good. It's so good. Yes,
1: it is good. You know, I always thought that they would do good because it's, first of all, Salt Lake City is beautiful. And I love to see all the snow. Of course, since I have the water and the beach and the sun, I love to see the snow and all that on uh, like the, you know, different fashion from, you know, being able to wear the coats and all that, not that they're so fashionable, but, um, <laughs> but anyways, but I thought it was cool. And I love the idea of like the religion and the Mormon. So I, I knew that if they were making this decision, that it was going to be a good one. Cause it's something different that we're not used to seeing in the other shows. Right. It's not only like fabulous, rich women, right. you know, they're bringing in more than that.
2: And Alexia, just to wrap this up, that's I watched Salt Lake City this past week, and I loved it. And it was so exciting to see a fresh franchise. And that's what I really believe, because it's been so long with Miami, I really believe it coming back would be a fresh Exciting reboot, and so I—if there's anything I could do to make it happen, i, I just want. I know. I want what it can so we bad. do, Danny? You're a, you're a profi- you're
1: pass. a pro at this. What do you think that we? I'm can trying.
2: Do? I'm trying. I talked <laughs> I about know on. Watch- I I was on Watch What Happens Live. I was like, "That's what I want." I told them, you know, on the show, I was like, no, "This is all yes. I want is a Miami reboot." And yeah, you I- know,
1: we have so many fans in New York. I mean, we have like this Miami New York connection. So I want to say, like, our biggest fan base isn't even here in Miami. It's really in New York. And I love that, and I love all my New Yorkans for that because they really support the the franchise, and and not only Miami, but I f- I feel like they really um support Bravo. So I mean, there's nothing more we would love. I don't know what we could do. Maybe like you haven't asked that question. What do you think our fans? What do our fans think that we can do to like actually, you know, come back?
2: I think if we just continue tweeting about it, I think. You know, hashtag, I don't know. We got to think of a hashtag or something. Just hashtag RHOM, bring it back or something like that. We got to. Yeah,
1: no, I'm sure you wouldn't be disappointed because like I said, I think we, like you said, we obviously have the connection that I feel we didn't have throughout the other seasons. And I think that's a really important point um, that you need to have with the rest of the ladies and you have to be able to tell each other, you know, F you and then make up and like, okay, like you're my friend. Cause I do it to my sister and to the people you love. Right? Right, right. So I feel like when you do have that connection, you have to be able to tell each other, stand up for each other, whatever it is you need to tell them. And then, you know, get over it or don't for maybe a season, but they come back and do it. <laughs> and, you know, I think we figured that out and we're at a good place. And um, I feel like, you know, Lisa has such a great story, you know, to tell and share and like just such a, you know, a beautiful life. And so do I. And so does Marisol. And I'm sure so does Adriana. I haven't been in touch with Leah, but you know, Leah's great too. And she always has, you know, something amazing and fabulous going on in her life and you know, and more girls. And I really think Miami is important for like the whole franchise. It's a great city. It's a great city to be in. Mm -hmm. Have
2: you heard from Larsa? Isn't she in Miami again? Am I well, I kind of that? read that
1: she was. Yeah. yeah well, she I, was I in LA for a while. I've run into her here. I love Larson. I think she would be great to come back.
2: Yeah. And, She's um, got and a yeah, lot of she, drama she, going on with the Kardashians right now. She's been in the news a lot lately. So let's get her. Yes. We could have an update with oh, her, the whole crew.
1: For sure. As a matter of fact, I was like thinking of, of calling her, texting her because I, I only have love for Larsa. I've always gone along with her. And that's the thing too. Like, you know, just three seasons sometimes isn't enough to like, really know like where the connection is going to be and who you are going to like and how you like how it's going to play out. Right. So, um, so yeah, we would love to have Larsa back.
2: Alexia tell people where they can find you. You mentioned your beauty bar. What was the name of it? Um,
1: it's Alexia and Frankie's beauty bar. So whenever you're in Miami, stop by and say hi to Frankie and I, yes, for sure. I will.
2: I will. I love Miami. And
1: then, Oh, I know, and and I love New York. I can't wait till till things are better and we can go back and and visit your beautiful city. Yeah. I'm in so, Los Angeles.
2: Yeah. I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, you're oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, don't know no, why no, I, I was in no, New York. No. I, a lot of people Ooh, do you know what? I, I you love know, LA yeah.
1: too I love Los
2: Angeles I, too I, I yeah I, you know I think um, I release my episodes usually on like east coast time so a lot of people think I'm in New York but it doesn't matter um,
1: oh okay well no, Alexi well, though we I love gonna, LA too can't wait to go to LA too
2: <laughs> right I'm gonna come visit when I'm in Miami next time as soon as we're all able to travel and um, it was so lovely catching up with you and I know fans are gonna love hearing from you so thank you for taking the time um, and thank
1: you uh, are you no, you're thank on social you media me. this is the first First podcast that i'm that i do oh, so i was you. super excited and nervous also but i'm so happy that it was with you because like you're amazing so oh,
2: thank you so yeah thank you, thank you well it was my pleasure um i want to encourage everyone to find me on social media it's at danny pellegrino on twitter and instagram and alexia what is your uh instagram handle
1: mine is um alexia e underscore says at alexia e underscore says I have to do more posting and more social media, <laughs> okay. you know, I, to me that's always been, no, I know. And that's another thing I wanted to mention. Like when we had the show back then, you know, social media was just at the brink of it. It wasn't what it is today. Right. So like, I feel like that we kind of like cut short with that because we weren't really able to, you know, promote our show and to do certain things, you know, that we do today, you know, to kind of like make the show work, you know, as far as, you know, getting it out there for mm-hmm. the entire world to watch and support. So, yeah, so I'm sure if we would have that next season, it would be, you know, a lot different for us too.
2: Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to co- go call and beg the purveyors of pop people. Um, yes, I love them.
1: We had really great producers. We, they're great. Yeah, they're in LA. So tell yeah, them, yeah. yeah, they come a lot to Miami. We keep in touch with them. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they're great. So, and they do Married to Medicine too. So we need to get um, Miami back on the air. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. This was truly a pleasure. Thank you, Alexia. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Un beso. Bye. Bye.